Welcome to another episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. Today we have a special guest joining us. We've invited Maria Alisa Callejas, the Director of Family and Adult Ministry here at St. Joseph. Maria's department oversees baptism formation, marriage preparation, convalidations and annulments, as well as coordinates programs that support the family in various stages of life. Maria is also a mother of two with a third on the way. We thought she'd be a great addition to our conversation on Advent and expectancy. Welcome to St. Joseph Workshop, building the church at home, a place where faith and family meet. Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo. And I'm Father Jason Cargo. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. Welcome, Maria. Thank you, Emily, for having us uh, today. I say us because I'm expecting you. I love that. It's so fun. <laughs> I'm so glad it's you said that. It's just not me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am with child. I'm expecting our first baby boy. I have two girls, so we're excited to both be here and, uh, and share my, you know, my journey with you, too. So I wanted to ask you, you, you have a remarkable background, Maria, and you did something before uh, coming to St. Joseph, and you worked kind of like in communication. So this probably doesn't feel too abnormal to have uh, microphones in front of you and headsets on. They always say it's important to be a little jittery and nervous <laughs> before, you know, uh, you know, the show, and I do feel a little bit like that. But yeah, I was a journalist. I worked for various um, news outlets uh, in TV broadcasting. I was a producer. I traveled the world. A lot of field work with catastrophes and hurricanes and revolutions in Latin America. Um, so, so I did. Like, were you like actually in a hurricane? Like, would I you go was, out there yeah, and like yeah. filmed my, while the winds are trying to blow you down and stuff? I can. We can share pictures later on. Yeah. No I was, way. I was, I was, that is so uh, cool. My last hurricane was Hurricane Sandy when it hit New York. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we stayed in a hotel. An old hotel in, in, Jer- in the Jersey Shore. Was that scary? It was scary because the build we were like it was beachfront property, and as everyone is evacuating, <laughs> You're the Jersey out. Shore we're like going in, um, and uh, this one news network where I work for um, took, you know, a hold of the entire um, hotel, and at night the hotel will rock. Wow, like a rocking chair, which is meant to be that way because it helps, you know alleviate any damages but if you're sleeping in one of those beds with no power <laughs> wow. it can get a little scary but yeah so i did a lot of field work um for for various news outlets. so i i knew you were into like a uh you know the news broadcasting thing but i had no idea you were a storm chaser too <laughs> well we share that cause <laughs> that's you, a whole nother thing yeah well um, <laughs> that's one of the many things i did yeah but storm chasing was one of the things i did well i gotta sure. tell our listeners about uh, one of the things that Maria helped me out one point in time. So we were filming these uh, different uh, Advent Jesse Tree videos. And, you know, I was watching myself on the video and I had all this glare because, you know, I don't have much hair on my head, right? <laughs> and I have a really big forehead. I had all this like shine coming off of my face. And, and uh, Maria was like, I know just the thing. It's called man makeup. <laughs> and she gave me the, the right recipe and it, it helped with the shine. So, yes. You, so I, I knew that Maria was a great in the communication. So that was my my first attempt at putting makeup on. It was uh, interesting. You know, Maria, I, I wonder, how do you compare, you know, working for as a journalist going into the eye of the storm to working in the church? I mean, I think sometimes we have some stormy weather here, too. I was going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about it. Um, a news network and precisely what I was doing, I was an assignment editor. So every day it's a new day. So it's, it's very fast paced, 
you don't know what the day is going to look like, uh, but you're always putting out fires. Um, so that prepared me to be able to put out fires here. And, and people, you know, might think that a parish is a prayerful, quiet place. <laughs> but it's any anything but in Father Glass because he knows it's true, right? We always have, um, we're you know dealing with people and emotions and, and we need to put out fires and we have to expedite some marriages and there's some issues here and people there. So I think he gave me kind of, not a thick skin, but um, kind of the ability to multitask and see the broader picture and, and see where I need to prioritize now and what needs to be second and third. Not that I'm perfect at it, but it gave me like a grasp of, of being able to multitask. Um, so there's there's some points of comparison. Yeah, that's so interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah. I'd love also just for you to reflect briefly, Maria, about um, what it is to intimately interact with uh, couples who are getting ready for marriage, right? You, you have this real experience where uh, a lot of what you're doing is preparing couples who are getting to get married. And I think we're getting close to, by the time this airs, maybe 45 or so uh, weddings. So yeah, record year, a record year for us. So what was that like for you? You know what? I got married nine years ago and I always said I, I had a lot of marriage prep energy in me, but on the superficial stuff, like I'll watch those, um, say yes to the dress shows on TV. <laughs> Cause I always think like, did I choose the right dress? I think it was, and this was 10 years ago, but I'm still coming, not having second thoughts about what I did. It's like, I could have done this. Maybe a chocolate cake would have been better. So I've always <laughs> had that like extra energy in me. So every time like a cousin gets married, they will call me and take me to figure out what dress needs to be bought and whatnot. But here it's, I'm, I'm in the spiritual journey of marriage preparation. So it's been, powerful um because when you're going through it yourself you know you're you're excited but you have a lot in your mind uh but my husband carlos has actually joined us in in this marriage prep uh, journey with many of the parish couples so it's been nice to kind of s reflect on our own marriage and what we did when we were um preparing for marriage but now it's like deeper and, and just to see um you know, it's, it's lovely to see love, Yes, <laughs> um, but it's also kind of an opportunity to see that, you know, it is a, a sacrament. And I think in society, marriage has lost um, its title of a sacrament. And I think that people coming to the sacrament in the Zen age is still heartwarming for me. And before we move on to our, our, our real topic, I just want to you know, give a shout out to, to Maria and how amazing her department is. And if anyone is listening to this and, and they need uh, any kind of assistance uh, getting married or uh, something with their marriage, uh, just give uh, Maria and uh, her department a ring and they're ready to help you. So one of the things about marriage is an engagement. Engagement is kind of an expectancy for this new life, right? And, and marriage. And uh, every Advent, we actually enter a period of expectancy, and um, it's kind of what we call the start of the new liturgical year. The the we have this cycle every year of this uh, of the the calendar, and the first Sunday of Advent is the first day of the new liturgical year. And this calendar uh, basically come came about just to focus on these primary feast days that we have. Uh, the feast day of Christmas, a time of preparation for Christmas and a time of celebration afterwards. And then the uh, feast day of Easter and a time of preparation with Lent and then the time of celebration of the season of Easter and the time in between is the ordinary time. And so uh, this 
season of Advent is a time of preparation and a time of expectancy. And I think it's just a, a, a great opportunity for us to explore more what it means to be expectant. You know, Father Jason, as you say, it's this season of preparation. Um, part of that preparation is active and another part of it is, is actually waiting, you know, waiting in expectant hope. And I actually heard this song this morning. It was beautiful by Francesca Battistelli called Be Born in Me. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it, but there's this line that says, um, you know, make my heart your Bethlehem. Um, and then she goes on to say, the only thing my heart can offer is a vacancy. And I mm. think that this song, it just really kind of sums up what Advent is all about. You know, we need to wait and expect and hope. We need to prepare a place in our heart for the Lord um, and not jump ahead to preparing for Christmas and all that that entails, but just that waiting part. And Maria, you know, with your pregnancy, I imagine that this um, Advent season is taking on a whole different look for you because you're living it. <laughs> you are in the midst of waiting and the fear and the joy um, and all the questions that are going on in your heart. So I thought maybe you can share with us a little bit about your experience um, spiritually, this journey, and maybe how your pregnancy is impacting that. Yeah, and, and for that, I would like to take us back to the year 2014 with my first pregnancy. Um, um, we got married in 2012, and we, Carlos and I decided to wait, give us you know, a little break and have a single married life for two years. But a year in, a lot of my friends started having fertility issues, and I said, you know, we better try now, because you never know, we might have to end up, you know, looking for um, specialists and whatnot. But literally, we said that, and I think a week after that, I was pregnant. <laughs> so that g gave me a sense of, of control, like it was up to me when I got pregnant, because um, literally I said, let's try, and then I got pregnant, and I had a wonderful pregnancy, um, no issues. It was a C-section, but no, you, healthy baby, healthy mom. Um, and then I had two some miscarriages between pregnancy one and pregnancy two. And that really changed my outlook. It was like God knew that he was giving me the freedom to feel like it was under my control. It was my prerogative when to get pregnant. Um, it was our decision. Uh, but no, with those two subsequent pregnancies, and they were three months apart. So mm -hmm. you go through the one, and you're like, okay, it happens, one in every four you start opening up and you hear other women going through the same experience. But then to have that second blow three months later, that really kind of stopped me on my track spiritually. Um, my husband also, because I think sometimes we leave the husband out of the miscarriages and they, they also suffer. So it was a, it, it was a very, um, it was like we were going through our own um, miscarriage passion. You know, like we were suffering. We thought we had hope. For the second one and here we were again mm -hmm. um you know but for me it was more like god is telling me it's on me it's on my own time um and it was the first time that the words that mary um tells the angel behold i am the handmaid of the lord it was the first time that i understood that personally because it was me letting go saying maybe i am just meant to have my one daughter and they'll you know there's other ways that marriage can be fruitful um, if it's not in God's plan, it's not in my plan. And that took some time. You were talking about my previous um, life, quote-unquote, as a journalist. I was taking, making decisions, calling shots. Like, I thought I was in control, you know. And we live in a world of self-help, self-power, empowerment. Uh, Amazon Prime, next day delivery, everything's under control. And our religion is teaching us different. But those miscarriages kind of changed my perspective 
although I thought it was a devout Catholic, it gave me kind of a understanding of, of um, the importance of Mary and our religion. Um, because I always say that Jesus could have been born at age, he could have come at age 30, a Superman. <laughs> <laughs> there was no need for him to be born from a mom. But there, there's something to be said about, you know, the expectancy of Mary, uh, the suffering. She, I mean, she was 15, 16, um, according to some historical background. The shame that maybe she felt, the uncertainty of having to tell um, Joseph about this pregnancy, um, you know, a lot of, of, of emotions. So it kind of, my miscarriages, although I was not expecting, made me realize how close my life was in parallel to, to Mary. Not that my life is like Mary's, but I just felt this stronger connection uh, with our Blessed Mother um, through that. So I think that changed the way I looked at pregnancy. So from pregnancy one, then the two miscarriages, and then we have Elisa born in 2018. My pregnancy was a lot more spiritual than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it became an advent uh, uh, in many ways. Of course, anxiety was always kind of looming over you because, you know, there's spotting and bleeding. And if you had start getting cramps, you're thinking, oh, my God, another miscarriage. But you all see Elisa around. She's <laughs> almost three. And now I'm at the <laughs> the, la- the long stretch of my, uh, my pregnancy here. So I'll be going on maternity leave in a couple of weeks. And so far, so good. Um, but it gave me an understanding that um, pregnancy um, is a little gift from God to let us know that he's in control. Um, and men don't get that. <laughs> they don't get that um, that feeling as much as we do because it's a physical change, it's a spiritual change, it's a hormonal, emotional change. So we get to experience what uh, a real Advent is. You know, that's so interesting, Maria. I, I don't know if I've ever thought about that, you know, the words, behold, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. I mean, to me, yes, that's, I'm at, I'm here to do your will, Lord God. But I guess I didn't make that connection of that means it's not about my will. <laughs> like I'm letting go of control, like take the reins. Um, and even in that pregnancy and your experience of feeling um, just that reminder that your children are a gift to you, you know, and whether you are able to raise them and nurture them up, or if it's just a brief moment, you know, a brief glimpse of, of what that might be like, that's so powerful. I think as a parent with my children being older, I definitely think that I have the fear and the worry of, are they going to get hurt? Is something going to happen? And that reminder that, you know, I'm just, I'm just here along the way to help them make it back to their, you know, final ultimate destination, which is with our heavenly father. Um, but that's very powerful. Yes, Maria, thanks for sharing that uh, story. I, I think uh, more than anything else, I think with mar- miscarriages, uh, it's, it's a grief. It's a, it's a sorrow. It's a deep, profound grief. And if we can open that up a little bit more in our culture to allow, uh, I think, families to uh, grieve, uh, not silently or not uh, without support, but recognize that, uh, yeah, you know, this is a sadness that and certainly you had the gift of that, that those babies uh, for a period of time. And, and you know, we believe that uh, they're with our Lord in heaven. Amen. And you have a, a fan club up in heaven <laughs> <laughs> rooting and praying for you, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, for our listeners, we do have a, a whole ministry here at St. Joseph uh, around miscarriage. And, and if you find yourself in that situation, we'd love to be able to help you and, and, and um, help you uh, grieve and help you... Um, uh, in all the different facets that that might entail, you know, um, Maria and Emily, this is a, I'm a guy, 
right? <laughs> <laughs> and I just marvel at, at pregnancy. You know, to me, to think that, uh, that there's this uh, another human person that is developing and reaching their actuality, certainly uh, there's lots of potential as they grow within you. And, and as they grow and become bigger and bigger, they're being actualized in their personhood. And you know, I think uh, it's just marvelous for me as as a guy to think about that. It's it's beyond my comprehension what it would be like to to actually uh, carry a child. Um, uh, you know, as a guy, I I I, I th- maybe it's my personality, but I I think about all. I'm very in tune with my body, and I feel this or that, and I'm like, uh, what does this mean? You were <laughs> mentioned earlier some of the anxieties of okay uh, from the previous um, uh, pregnancies you had, but. To me, I think it's like, whoa, why, why did that part of my belly just bounce? You know? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? I, I just, can you guys uh, share just a little bit about the marvels uh, of what it is to be pregnant? I know there's also the, the other side where, you know, um, kind of the, the cross of, of, of being pregnant, but. What's the what's it like to the marvels of being pregnant? I'll what give is, Emily. She has five kids. So <laughs> I got two and one in the way. So you have yeah. more experience than I. You know, I think one of the things that just jumps out to me is just the fact that it um, it really shows you that you are not your own. Like your body is not your own. You know, the moment that you get pregnant, you have to change your habits. Your the way that you eat. You know, there's certain things that you're not allowed to eat because it could be dangerous to your child. Sushi. Yeah, you can't sushi. eat sushi and even. I love sushi. Lunch meat. I mean, they are crazy things. Lunch meat. Yeah, yeah. There are different things. Wow. Was it the listeria? It's been too long. Was it the listeria? Yeah, yeah. That can cross through the womb and it can be dangerous to your child. So there's restrictions on your diet. Um, then of course you have to make sure that you're keeping yourself healthy. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Even abstaining from drinking. You know certain things. So <laughs> you know you have you realize that you're just not your own, and so that's a piece of it. Um, but you're right, Father, as, as your child begins to grow and, um, and starts moving inside of you, like I think at the beginning, it's almost like your own little secret. You know, like when they first start moving, it's not something that's like physically evident to even your husband. Um, you know, it's like the internal movements and it's just such a strange experience. But for me, it's always so beautiful when it gets strong enough that others can share in that, whether it be my husband or my child or my little children, like putting their hand on my belly to feel that and to recognize that there's someone else. I mean, it's really just so beautiful. It's, it's such a blessing to be able to experience that. Um, and then they're definitely growing pains. <laughs> you can't breathe. You have heartburn. I think I, I go through like three or four huge bottles of Tums with every pregnancy. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's lots of uh, sacrifices of love in the midst of all of that. Yeah, but it's, it's I was um, talking to my husband because we got our flu shot a couple of days ago. And the nurse asked me, which arm is best for you? Which arm do you sleep on? And I said, I'm not sleeping anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, whichever side. I'm usually just, like, sitting up when I sleep. I'm not sleeping on my side anymore because of the heartburn. So <laughs> that's what happens, yeah. Your body goes through a lot of changes. But you mentioned something, Emily, that um, made me think about how men can actually experience, you know, this joy of pregnancy or, the, you know, the advent of pregnancy is – Sometimes when you when you bring Jesus into your life, it might not be self-evident. You can't see it, you can't touch it, but you know it's in you. And there's something to be said about discovering, you know, Jesus and bringing him into your heart. 
that although you feel it, people, it's not self-evident to people, but it's there and it's supposed to grow. And I think, although men don't go through pregnancy, I think we all have our little advents, right? It might be um, a retreat that changes your life. It might be a decision to join the um, the priesthood, it starts little, you know, you're seminarian, and little by little, you're getting to that point where you're going to become a priest. So I think spiritually, we all go through pregnancies of sorts, right? Um, yeah. Women just get to experience it in a big way. <laughs> you, <laughs> With know, you, 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 were, you were just saying that, uh, uh, Maria, and I was thinking, uh, you know, when, when we invite Jesus into our life, it, it he does begin to shine, right? Mm-hmm. And what's one of the first things that someone might notice outwardly about someone who is pregnant, a woman who's pregnant, right? Is that they begin to glow. I remember Emily with her last child. Um, I remember being at a meeting with her and I was like, Emily is glowing. (laughs) Why why is she glowing? And I was like, is she pregnant? And then she came, she told us like a, you know, a number of weeks later that she was pregnant. And I was like, ah, you know, but, but I think grace does that right within our soul when uh, we receive our Lord uh, and, before we even might be per, uh, perceiving it, uh, people notice that there's this glow about us, right, as Christians. So uh, so I think that that's a very important thing. And certainly, as we w- continue our walk with our, our Lord, um, then we'll begin to notice the changes in our own life, right? And some of them might be, you know, require some sacrifice from, our, from ourselves to let Jesus take the exactly. reign in our lives. So it might be not, you know, it might not be nausea or heartburn, but it might be going against the flow um, maybe if you're converting from another religion is going against your family um, tradition. So, you know, there's there's some, you know, nausea and heartburn of a sort when you're going through a transformation spiritually. Or it might be, you know what, the mass is going to be a priority. So instead of watching the Cowboys game, I'm going to go to the mass in Spanish, right? <laughs> <laughs> As it was yes, uh, the other day. So um, so I think uh, I think that's important for us to 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 look at is, yeah, I'm. You know, living the life with Jesus doesn't mean it's always going to be rosy. It means that there's going to be some sacrifice on our part, just as uh, as a pr- pregnancy, there's sacrifice that mothers uh, do for their child. You know, one of the things I think of is in addition to sacrifice, it's just the preparation, you know, the preparation that takes place, you know, in order to welcome a baby, in order to welcome Jesus into your heart. Um, even Joseph, you know, he was a part of that preparation process. And then, oh, we need to make a trip last minute. <laughs> Sorry about that. You know, but what was on his mind and his heart trying to prepare as much as he could. Um, and as we come to, you know, this liturgical season of Advent, we are called to prepare our hearts and prepare our homes to kind of take some moments to stop and reflect on the goodness of God um, and the incarnation of Christ. And there's so many traditions that our, our, our faith has that we can really plug into to help with that process and to really make it come alive for our families. And um, I thought maybe we could talk about some of those. And one of the things that I was thinking about, Father Jason, as you mentioned with your makeup, your man makeup that Maria (laughs) helped you with is you did make, you know, this amazing series this last year about the Jesse tree. And I thought maybe you can just briefly talk about what that tradition is. Yes. You know, I love it. Um, I think several years ago, someone made me a, Jesse tree box and basically has all these ornaments that I would put on the advent tree. And, um, and so basically each day you do a certain prayer, a reading and a ritual, and then you place an ornament on the advent tree. Uh, advent tree can be anything. It could be a kind of a, a bare 
evergreen that we normally have, or it could be something that you just post on the wall and you just put the ornaments up there. However, the creativity of the family would like to see it. But ultimately what we're doing is we're, we're walking in the prophets and the, the stories of the old Testament pointing towards the birth of Jesus. So, you know, in the, the very beginning, everything in the Holy scripture moves towards, uh, the reality of the incarnation of our Lord, so the the Word becoming flesh. And so the Jesse tree is this day-by-day step, and you have this physical reminder of that when you look at the tree of your journey from the very beginning of Advent to the very place where we celebrate the birth of Christ. And as we get closer to the birth of Christ, the images and the the prophecies become that much more stronger and more poignant about the very uh, word becoming flesh. And so it's a, it's a beautiful tradition. We've uh, last, last year, I decided to make a, a series of, of videos that kind of chronicles that. And a lot of people followed the, those videos. And, and this year, uh, I think we're going to replay those videos for people to be able to follow uh, the Jesse Tree uh, story as well. So to me, I think it's a great, one of the best Advent um, devotions. You know, I remember growing up and having all sorts of different Advent devotions uh, in my family, but my favorite was the Advent calendar because there was candy on each little (laughs) string of the calendar, but I never got it past like you know, December 5th, because December 5th looked too much like December 25th and all the candy was gone by then. (laughs) (laughs) My my self-control was not that great. I just gobbled up that candy. (laughs) But, uh, but this Jesse tree devotion is a a fantastic family devotion. Uh, You you can do that with your, your young children and, you know, you can do that. Uh, it's a great prayer activity, and you can do that individually as a as an adult, and just prepare yourself to um, look forward in expectancy for the birth of Christ. And you know what, Father? Sometimes uh, families will ask me, like uh, in baptism information, but how do we pray as a family? They need some structure. Like, well, I know our basic Catholic prayers, but I need something. You know, we're we we need a YouTube video. Of, you know. How to do it yourself kind of thing. And this tradition is giving you that, that framework to go by. And it might be a good tradition for families to start, and that might evolve into a daily prayer after the Advent season. But it's giving you some structure, to a thing to do every, you know, every, um, every, every so often. So it's giving you structure, and it's, it's a good way to start a tradition of prayer within the family. Yeah, and even any age can take part in that. I think last year when we released the series, we also had um, like PDF coloring sheets that you can use. So you didn't have to go out and buy a whole Jesse tree set. You can just make your own. So I remember my little ones were coloring the pictures to be able to cut out and use them. So it's something that all ages can take part in it in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. And that's what we're about here on uh, St. Joseph Workshop is bringing the faith to home. So it's not just uh, an experience of our of the adults, but it's something that we can make happen for our children as well. Okay, so there are other um, Advent traditions that we have. And I think, Maria, you mentioned that in your home, your family prays the Advent wreath. Is that correct? Yeah, so I um, a little bit of my background. I was born in Florida, but I my parents um, are from Nicaragua and Ecuador. So I lived in Ecuador until I was 12, and then my teenage years my rebellious teenage years were spent in Nicaragua. So in Ecuador, Advent, uh, the Advent wreath is a thing. And it's, it's, it goes beyond just a family unit. Uh, you invite your friends over, there's hot chocolate, and, and 
and um, baked goods and people sing villanticos, which is um, Christmas carols in Spanish, and you do a prayer and you light up the candle. So those uh, four weekends before uh, Christmas Day, you're gathering with extended family, friends. My parents grew up um, as members of a um, Catholic movement, so it was their group members as well. So you have like 50-plus people lighting up one candle. Wow. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun, and everyone plays the guitar. So it was, it was definitely, you could tell that like, the, you know, the holiday season was beginning. And it Who was, gets to light the candle? How does that decide it? <laughs> That's is, there, is there an arm wrestle or no, something? No, I'm like guessing whoever wrestle? was hosting did it. Uh, honestly, you're having so much fun with all the kids around that you're not like, I guess if it was like just your family unit, like, you know, people will fight about that. But it's like you're just, you know, jumping and singing and having sugar. You don't really care about the candle when you're five. Uh, but you're there, like, singing the songs. and, and um. Is it like a regular candle, or is it one of those that sparkles and stuff? <laughs> no, it's just a, it's just an advent wreath, you know, uh-huh. standard size, and people just gather around it, and it's like 30-plus people singing uh, Christmas carols and having a good time and having some chocolates. And it usually happens so after Mass, you know, and it, it alternates home. So it'll be like at the Rodriguez's on this Saturday and the Smith's the next uh, Sunday and so on and so forth. So... It was just a joyous time of celebration. And I could tell, I could, if I take myself back to uh, six-year-old Marie, I could tell that this was in preparation for Jesus' birth. So I think that's the importance of the celebrations. Yes. Um, to can, even if you're five or six or seven, for your, our kids to make the connection, all this joy, all this fun that we're having is because Jesus will be born soon. And I think that was kind of something my parents hammered at us in a very subtle way. And everyone around you is doing, celebrating the same thing. You know, that reminds me of the Mexican tradition of the posadas where, um, you know, it's several celebrations, but people actually do the reenactment going door to door of Joseph and um, Mary seeking shelter and being turned away from, you know, one door and then being turned away because there was no room at the end and then finally being received into it. And, and it has that whole central focus, too, on that remembrance of the journey that they made um, and then that celebration of of having that room and making space in your life for him. So that's something that's so beautiful. And I know here at our church, we've done it in the past. Um, that's a new tradition for me. It's not one that I've grown up with. And, and actually like around that cultural experience, one of the things that I was introduced to when I first married my husband, who's from Mexico. And I went uh, around Christmas time to visit them. One of the things that struck me is that the Christmas trees that they have in their home, you know, here you would have like tons of gifts below it, even before Christmas. But at each of the homes that we went to, they had this Christmas tree with a beautiful, huge and very elaborate nativity laid out underneath the tree. So as you mentioned, Father, with the Jesse tree, it was very similar. It wasn't just, you know, uh, Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the animals. It was all of these different biblical figurines, you know, like the whole like <laughs> Bible stories pretty much around it, you know, towns and villages. Um, uh, and then, of course, the manger with the um, the middle of it actually open, you know, without Jesus being there, they didn't put him there until Christmas Eve. Um, but that was something that was so beautiful. I mean, I remember just taking some time to reflect on that, how different it is because that's the present, that's the best gift right there under the tree. It's not Mm. about all of these other things that, you know, the consumeristic mind of what you want. It's, it's what you need. It's Jesus coming into your lives. It was so very beautiful to me. You know, Emily, I was thinking, um, a couple things when you were talking. One was that if I was, if that was my house and I had a manger scene underneath my 
a tree and we had all these different figurines. I definitely had Luke Skywalker. There. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you, you, you stole my thunder. And it's funny because um, my brother Mario is the uh, editing uh, engineer for the show. So he'll, <laughs> a little shameless plug on my family. You would see a random, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, <laughs> a week into into you know Advent in Raphael there. Raphael made a showing. <laughs> well, but, but, but then my, I think my mom used to say it's okay. Everyone's here to celebrate. And one other thing we did is that with we would start the the three wise men like far away from the manger, yes. and every day you will make them walk one step because they're getting closer to Jesus. Same thing with uh, the shepherd boys and whatnot. You were like they're kind of you know making their way. Um, to see Jesus. And that now that I think about it, it's like our own Advent path, right? Where every day we're getting closer to meeting Jesus just as, as the figurines and Luke Skywalker is making his <laughs> way to the manger. Yeah, but it's been done before. You know, even Luke <laughs> bowed down to the Lord, right? Yes. So uh, <laughs> Chewbacca as well. So, <laughs> um, I was going to ask, uh, one of the things I, I, I love about the, the Posadas is just that whole communi- community community process of, of procession and going to door to door and uh, Emily do you remember the song um, that they sing <laughs> you're you not s- gonna make me sing can it. you sing the no. song <laughs> I'll do your second voice I, I know the song do you know the song um I am not Mexican but I do it's something something peregrinos peregrinos Na, 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 na. That's the end. Okay, I don't know it in Spanish unless I have Despido it in front of me. Por amor de Dios. Is that it? You're making me sing. This is not. This is not. This is not in my contract, guys. This is not in my contract. This is going to go on America's Got Talent. You know. <laughs> this is my real. <laughs> yeah, I. I without. I'm, I don't even want to attempt because I know that, that will, people will tune out in a heartbeat. Um, but Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you did wonderful. Um, but basically, that is what it is. You know, like even Joseph saying, like, I'm Joseph. This is my wife, Mary. Uh, she has the child. You, you know, she has the child in her. And the people are responding like, no, there is no room. Um, but I, I'm not going to do it in Spanish, and I apologize. And then well, I'm usually the in the church the la- here, the last door they knock on is a church door and and I get to open it up and say yes of course there's room <laughs> come Mary and Joseph and uh, come and have your child you know so I it's fun it it's, is really and, I, and of course there's all sorts of hot chocolate and good pastries and stuff afterwards it's very fun and you know what I like about uh, the Posada tradition in Mexico is that Joseph takes a, a lead role in it Yes, um, and I think sometimes in pregnancy also it's all about the women and the men get left on the side but men also, you know, they, they're going side by side in the, in the expectancy. Uh, they're also concerned about sometimes uh, about the economic impact of having another child. So they go through their own little advent of sorts. And I think uh, the Posadas give Joseph that, that lead role in like, I'll be taking care of Mary. We'll make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to bring the man into, into the pregnancy because sometimes it's all about the women and the belly, but men get kind of pushed aside. But you know, I think they're they're really important in, yeah, in our pregnancy. Absolutely. Too. And, and uh, you know, one of the things you guys know, I really love art and we're doing all these different uh, pieces of artwork. But one of the things that um, I'd like to do right outside the the Children's Faith Formation Office is to have a series kind of focused on Bethlehem. But uh, but one of the, the images is going to be uh, Mary eight and a half months pregnant and Joseph serving her, right? Because that's one of the things that uh, 
a husband who's attentive to her his wife is going to do is serve his wife because there's lots of different things that uh, that is just uncomfortable for someone who's eight and a half months pregnant. Putting on Tell your shoes. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so picking things up or, you know, even just bringing, uh, you know, little snacks or your, your favorite little thing you want to eat for that time for whatever reason. But um, so I want to have that painting. The other thing I want to do as well is have that a painting of the – the birthing of Jesus and, um, you know, obviously done modest, modesty, <laughs> mo- modestly, but, but where Joseph is present there. Right. Um, and this is something that I think we don't really think about a lot of times when we have these, the, the image of, of, of Christmas or Bethlehem, we, we have, um, the, the experience of the, the already born Christ and, and in the arms of Mary and Joseph is standing there and, and then there's a glow and it's the postcard type thing. But, but, you know, Jesus was, was born um, vaginally and born naturally. And though it was a supernatural moment at the same time, uh, there was, uh, Joseph probably would have been there, you know, because there, who else would have been there? Um, and I think, of course, it's making, you know, a, a little bit of um, extrapolations to what Scripture says, and and we're, we're speculating uh, different ideas and thoughts. But but how appropriate it is now, because fathers are there at the birth of their their children now. So Joseph is that role and that father um, figure, that example for all fathers, all husbands. You know, to accompany their their wives through pregnancy and birth. You know, and it even talks, I mean, just thinking about that and reflecting on how that relates to the Advent journey is the fact that you know, we aren't necessarily doing this on our own. You know, we need to be a part of community. We need to, at times people to help Christ be born into our lives. You know, it may be painful and messy, but we need people who are there on the journey with us um, to help bring Christ to us. So I think that's kind of a beautiful thing to think about. So. You know, uh, Maria Lisa, and uh, I love that name, Maria Lisa. You know, Thank I, you. That's it, my full name. It's your full name. I didn't know that for like three years until I <laughs> found out the other day. It's like, but it has such a beautiful ring to it. Um, so Maria Lisa and Emily. So you know, one of the things uh, we've been talking about is just that that expectancy, that preparation for, and how we can enter into celebrating uh, the birth of Christ and and prepare ourselves for that. But you know, <laughs> we live in American culture that uh, starts the the celebration of Christmas, I think, uh, right after Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> it used to be after Thanksgiving, but I think I think the stores are filled with all sorts of Christmas stuff uh, uh, right after Halloween. And so, how do we do that? Like, um, you know, that's the challenge. I think is to be able to focus on preparation, but yet, you know, not quite fully celebrate yet. How do we do that when we have? Um, all the commercial world telling us uh, that it's already Christmas and we should just celebrate to the end. You know, one of the things that I thought about when um, Maria Lisa was sharing about (laughs) the nativity and how they would, you know, physically move the three wise men and, and the people a little bit closer to Jesus each day. I was actually thinking about that tradition, Elf on the Shelf, that so many people do. Oh, yes. I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with it, Father Jason. We, we don't do it in our home, but it's did, so popular. I think the elf should go in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's you can see it on Facebook, your friends who do it. Um, 
you know, and they take so much joy and just, oh, where's it going to be today? And it's fun, but it's not really focused on what the true meaning of Christmas is about. And I have heard um, people kind of taking back the season, doing something similar, but with the three wise men who are every day, okay, we're going to move the three wise men. So we need to find them today because they're on their journey to find the Christ child. And so I think, you know, just as we talked about in our last episode around all saints and all souls, like we can kind of take back the season, you know, let's kind of show them like, what is it really all about? So that's one way, you know, if you want to take what's going on in the world already, but make it a little bit with like a Christian twist. I love that. That is very (laughs) cool. So are the wise men together or are they kind of separate? You know, I've never done it. So I guess you could, you always start them off. You could start them off (laughs) in different directions directions, and then they meet up (laughs) in the final leg of the journey. (laughs) I think that's so cool. That is very good. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the elf on the shelf. I can see how it's fun, but it, I think it distracts from the, the, the meaning. And, um, you know, for me, uh, the whole Santa Claus craze, uh, I go back and forth on that. I won't go into detail on that one. (laughs) You know, we're, we, we were that family, um, I don't know why I I grew up with the Santa Claus tradition, but for some reason with my husband and I, we just said, why, why do that? Like, let's focus. It's Jesus's birthday. And so our oldest, when he was here in the preschool, I think we had told him, you know, um, St. Nicholas is a real person, you know, but Santa Claus, you know, like he, he died, you know, St. Saint, Saint Nicholas died. I think that's what we had said. You know, it's, it's not about Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, so my son <laughs> goes to the preschool and is telling him, the other students, that Santa Claus isn't real or that he was dead. And I got a phone call from Miss Amy. <laughs> Can you please tell him not to tell the other children? <laughs> well, I, I grew up um, where the one who brought the gifts was baby Jesus. So... But it's funny because I, I, we knew that out there in the world, commercially, Santa Claus was there. Coca-Cola had great commercials, and they're so lovey-dovey. Uh, we would take pictures with Santa Claus. But we would make our Christmas letters out to baby Jesus because he's the one bringing gifts. So, But I was, we were able to grow up in those two you know, environments where out in the world it was Santa Claus, uh, but it was El Niño Dios who brings you uh, the gifts over Christmas. So You, you know, that, that also reminds me, um, Maria Lisa, so the... The, there is a strong tradition in the Latin world as well as other parts of the, the world where uh, the main gift exchange is actually on Epiphany, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. So when the wise men brings the gifts to, to the baby Jesus, and uh, maybe there might be a small gift that's exchanged for uh, Christmas where the, the actual... Um, where you, it's a religious gift of some sort because you're focusing on the baby Jesus. But the actual family gift exchanges are given actually on the uh, day of Epiphany. And I think that's a, a great um, that's a great idea. If, you, if you're looking for ways to kind of focus on uh, uh, kind of traditions in the family, this is a great one, I think, because you can, um, you can do that and you're going to save money because you're going to have all these discounts after Christmas. <laughs> there, there's that too. <laughs> See, the Catholic faith is really smart. <laughs> gives you little Ex- tips on, on how to save money. Exactly. <laughs> but it is a challenge. I tell you, it is a challenge uh, to be able to, um, you know, live this spirit of, of Advent expectancy. And I think really people, uh, we have to make that intentional and we have to be able to save some of the gusto and some of the strength uh, for, for Christmas and afterwards, right? Another thing that I, I, I think I left out, um, there's also, as you know, we, we need to empty ourselves for Jesus to come into our hearts, right, when he's born um, on Christmas Day. So how do you, you know, spiritually maybe grown-ups can work on that, give up uh, certain things or 
maybe add more things at daily rosary or at a meditation, but how do you teach a seven-year-old to give up what? I mean, they can't even share the TV control, let alone uh, let go of certain things. But growing up, and I think I shared it with Emily, uh, we had a tradition, and I'm not sure, and I checked with Mario, and he does not remember because he was like seven. But I do because I'm the oldest. It was either at mass or at my family, um, the Catholic women we were a part of, we would get a little bag of hay. And the idea is that every day if we did a good deed or we shared with our siblings or we did our homework on time or helped mom with the chores, we would put a little piece of hay in the place where Jesus was going to be born on the 25th. So that was like, I am gifting this to you so you would have a more you know comfortable cradle for you to be born. So... Although you are getting gifts for Christmas, what's your gift to Jesus? How do you make him come into this world feeling love? So it's something I'm going to start this year with with my oldest, Clara, because she's now seven, or will be seven. Um, and I think she's of the age where she can understand the, the need to be sacrificed and do things for others. So if you plug that in and give him a little gift over Christmas, it'll change their perspective about, um, you know, it's also how do I empty myself? What gift am I giving Jesus this Christmas? I like that. Uh, yeah, I do too. So much better than coal. <laughs> no, no, hey, uh, that's that's fantastic because you are uh, giving that gift to uh, to the Christ child all, and all those little sacrifices and all those different things that we do. So that is that is fantastic. Uh, well, you know, Emily, I think it's time for us to provide some tools for our listeners uh, on how they can. Uh, Uh, enter into this Advent expectancy. Right. So we talked about so many different things today. And I think the biggest takeaway that we want for all of our listeners is for your family to choose an Advent practice um, that will fit you, that will allow you to truly prepare your hearts for the coming of Christ into the world. And so just as a recap of the different options that you have, um, you could place an Advent wreath in your home and pray with your family weekly. You could pray with the Advent calendar, count down the days, you know, pop it out and get your little candy. Um, place at a nativity scene, whether that be under your tree or just at a, a place in your home where everyone can see it. And preferably, if you have little kids, I would say, you know, pick one that's plastic and not breakable. That so was that, my, that was going to say the same thing. Don't go yeah. for the Italian ceramic ones. They'll last a day. Yeah. If you have little, little ones, toddlers find something that they can play with and censor. Mm-hmm. And be Why a not? part of it. Yeah. Um, what Maria just shared with the the doing the good works and having the hay, I think that's an amazing, um, that's a great uh, tradition that your family could start. So helping to prepare baby Jesus's cradle. Uh, we talked about the Jesse tree devotional or even kind of taking on the elf on the shelf with the three wise men. So there are lots of different, you know, you don't have to do all of them. That would be very overwhelming, but I would suggest pick one and try it out with your family. I would think that would be a great tool. And then the next um, tool that I want is geared specifically toward the adults. Um, and I think it gets to the heart of what Maria was saying that we need to prepare our hearts and we need to sometimes that also needs to be emptying of ourselves. So I would just encourage the adults listening to take some time. If you are a parent, um, whether that's through adoption or through birth, maybe take some time reflecting on that experience of what you um, thought the moment that you knew that you were with child or you were going to have a child. Um, Take some time just reflecting on that and praying on that. um, And then also meditating how Christ is is being um, called to be born within us and within our hearts. And if you're not a parent, like Father Jason, or if you have anyone else here who's listening, um, we all have those moments in our life when we are at that point of, 
asking God, God, what is it that you want of me? What is it that you want with my life? And I think just reflecting on those moments and also reflecting on how Christ is um, asking to be born within you. Just take some time for prayer and meditation. You know, I, I think uh, I think that's a, a great, just to add on to that, I was blessed to be at uh, the birth of a child one time and, and um, it was a C-section. I was there and I'll just never forget that moment when the child was lifted up and everyone stopped and looked at the child as the child let out a, a scream, a little cry. And and it was like this collective sigh that happened at that moment. And it was, it's, it's like from the Lion King when Simba was lifted <laughs> up. That was, that was the image I had in my mind when you, you were know, saying You know, so that. If, if a guy out there is trying to understand or, or they're not, they're not married and, and they're single, you know, it's that moment in the Lion King when Simba's lifted up and, and everyone's like, wow, you know, the, the newborn king is, is here. So, um, but one other thing, if you're an adult as well, consider maybe delaying, um, fully decorating your Christmas tree until maybe the last week before Christmas. Uh, so have it be a process of decoration instead of saying, I'm going to put everything out in the very first uh, Sunday of Advent or even before, right after Thanksgiving. Instead, maybe consider having a process of decorating your house so it, it creates a sense of expectancy as you move forward. I usually like to say, you know, have it all set up for the like the 17th of December. That begins what we call the O-antiphons, which are the the proximate um, preparation for Christmas itself. But that that's a way of kind of slowly preparing oneself in your own home uh, for Christmas as well. Great idea. Maria, any other um, tools that you think we should add or final thoughts? No, I think you guys did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> and I always have something else to add. Uh, no, just open up your heart. You, sometimes these are just recommendations, but you might find it in your heart to do other things. I know there's a lot of um, nonprofit organizations who open up their doors for, um, you know, social service and, and, you know, volunteer work. So if that's where God is calling you this Advent, that's also another way to empty yourselves in preparation for um, for uh, Christmas. So if that's where God is calling you, know that maybe that's something you might consider. You know, volunteer somewhere else, prep, um, you know, Christmas baskets for the needy, et cetera. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, Maria, thank you so much for joining us today, for opening up your heart and sharing with us your story and your reflections. Um, you know, we definitely pray for you for a healthy pregnancy, and we're just so thankful for the good work that you do here at St. Joseph. Thank you. All right. And thank you listeners for tuning into this episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. Remember, we are all a work in progress. So be sure to tune in next time to gain new tools to help you build the church at home. And I pray that each of you have a blessed, expectant Advent, that you will find yourself pregnant with the grace of Christ. May mighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.